Do you think they're going to give Kenny Loggins a honorary Oscar? Because I think they should. Footloose, Top Gun, Caddyshack. This man defined the 80s, like all of the 80s. He's the the person who made the 80s. Okay, three movies of the 80s. Let's just, let's be humble. Three movies of the 80s. But he is the man behind the sound of the 80s. He's behind the aesthetic of the 80s. And it's not just three songs. No, several songs per film. And what is more iconic than Footloose? Well, Top Gun or Caddyshack. You can make an argument either way. All three are, you know, emblems. I think he did, uh, I think he did Beverly Hills Cop 2. Not 2, the second one. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop as well. But it would make sense because Beverly Hills Cop 2, directed by Tony Scott, who also directed Top Gun. It all connects. It all connects. Anyways, my point is, let's give Kenny Loggins an honorary Oscar. I think his uh, contribution to cinema is monumental. Anyways, this week, we're doing, as I said, the iconic, the emblematic, the 80s, Footloose, with Kevin Bacon. Ryan, first off, we cool? We cool. We cool. Good. Thanks, Julius. Um, I just want to do this. You know why we're doing this? No, that, no, no, no. Oh, no. Are, are we clapping? We're, or we're are applauding. we drunk? Oh. Are we doing slow clapping? Woo! Woo! There we go. Are we yeah. sl- is it slow claps? No, we're giving the boys a hand here. <laughs> oh, let's give the boy a, a hand? Like, what kind of hand? No, not that kind of hand. Like, okay. Well, you know that <laughs> happened in this movie, actually. <laughs> so, Ryan, tell me. Just because I learned quite a few things about this movie this week, I want to know just something you learned this week. About this movie? No, just like in, at random. Teach the audience something that's not too convoluted for them to understand. Oh, you'd like to hear a lesson, would you? Yes. Um, did you know... But it's something that you learned as well this week. This week? A brand new thing yeah, that I learned? Yeah, a brand new thing that you learned. Oh, geez. But it has to be pedestrian. Oh. Um, did you know the technical term for when... You're watching like a commercial and like music comes on. It's like, Uh and then a narrator comes in and they say, do you suffer from mesothelioma? Yeah. Hey, nice, nice pronunciation. When the music turns down for the voice that Uh comes in, that the technical term for that is ducking. Yeah, I did know that. Duck! Duck, look out! Because they're ducking. Ducking it underneath the voice. So next time you're watching a commercial and they do a bad job of that, you can say, they did a really bad job ducking. No, you would say that they did a ducking. What a ducking bad job. So that is your lesson for the day. Very cool. Thanks for teaching us. Mm -hmm. The more you know. Mm -hmm. What did you learn? I learned that... You know the Loch Lomond song <laughs> made popular by the movie A Castle for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, I know that song a lot. Really well. Um, well, I, I didn't actually know what it was about. It's just that song that's about Scotland that everybody listens to, mm-hmm. if you're from our country. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure out what that song's about. And I figured out that it was about these two 
soldiers that um, were captured at one point in time in the 1700s. And in Scotland, it's said that if you die in a foreign country, you take the low road home back to Scotland. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like the road of the dead, I guess, or something like that. And so you take the high road, I'll take the low road is written from the perspective of somebody who is basically one of these two soldiers was sent home and freed. And the other one was sentenced to execution. Oh, and so it's from the perspective (laughs) of the one who is about to be executed. Um, And I, I thought it was a very cool historical bit of knowledge about music that I did. I like that. That That's cool. I will think about that every time I have to take the low road. Do you want to have a quiz? Um, I, I don't want to learn more is what I'm asking. Um, well, does it have to do with Scotland or does it have to do with our, movie? it has to do with footloose. Oh, yeah. tell me more. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you something. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Which one of the dancers in this movie did not know how to dance before this movie? Um, from the looks of it, Kevin Bacon. No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Kevin Bacon knew how to dance. He's an okay dancer. Um, It'll- Diane Weist. No, well, <laughs> of the dancers of this movie, oh, I said. Dancers. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Don't make it obvious and say it's Chris Penn. Actually, Sarah Jessica Parker was in a dance movie before this movie. Dang it. If it's Chris Penn, that'll be very on the nose. It's Chris Penn. That's, that's no, a no, trick question. No, no, but they taught him to dance in those scenes you were watching him learn how to dance. It looks like it. He, very efficient. Okay, so the shot where he's doing his like... Um, he's outside near a tractor and he's like doing his like mm-hmm. little yodelahi and like the ta-da uh-huh. finish. He has his eye line and we're shot, we're shooting back and forth between him and Kevin Bacon's watching from a tractor. Mm-hmm. But it looks like the way his eye line is, is that it looks like he's looking at the choreographer and he's like, like this, like this, <laughs> right? I thought right? it gave <laughs> a sense of authenticity to those scenes that was just choice because it looks like he's learning how to dance yeah no it, it's it's incredible it's, and uh i don't want to like spoil anything but it's my favorite sequence of the movie oh mine too it's before before i jump into the story we'll we'll jump into the footloose story sure. as it is proper i wanted to it's not a game because you get very disappointed when i say i want to play something you get disappointed when it's game. not actually a game it's I not like a game. game i like games but for all intents and purposes i'm going to play a game with you the game is called maybe i was wrong Oh, I like this game. <laughs> I knew you'd like it. Okay, like what it. is it? What, um, wait, what, about what? About last week's movie. About, what if? Uh, what if? Oh, what if? What I if? was wrong. I, it, you know what? You're hedging a lot here. Uh, okay. Uh, last week, if you didn't hear our thoughts, Kelly was a big fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was not. I had a lot of reasons. He had a lot of reasons. Yep. Uh, you can actually listen to an entire episode about it. <laughs> yeah. So I. Got a lot of... Um, Did we get a lot of letters I got, already? I got a lot of positive vibes on Instagram. Everyone's like, I love this movie. Mm. So underrated. Like mm. all all the all the people were saying like, this is, this is such a good movie. And so I was like, man, everyone's going to hate me this week. <laughs> and you were like, peasants, <laughs> you know nothing. And I was like, that's okay. I'll, I'll just take, I'll just take that and I'll be the bad guy this week. It's okay. Yeah. Welcome to my shoes, <laughs> friend. Then I went on to Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I went to Letterboxd and I went to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-oh. I went on Letterboxd and I looked through all the user reviews on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. And everyone's super sassy on Letterboxd. And everyone loves this movie on Letterboxd. It's all positive reviews. They think Wait, it's... You, oh, oh, I see. Most of the time people are sassy, but not with this not movie. Not with this one. Oh, okay. They were like, they were in love with this. I'm like, huh, 
what is going on? What am I missing? And then I went to Rotten Tomatoes and the user score is pretty high. The critic score is middling. Decent enough. It's like in the 70s or 80s, I well, think. Well, 70s, okay. It's not certified fresh, but it's certainly very positive. No, certified fresh is anything above 65 with enough reviews. Yes, yeah, so I don't know why it doesn't get the certification, because it's got pretty... Well, you know what? Let's just look at it right now. Right now, let the numbers speak. 74%. 74% critic reviews. How many 69% reviews? 69% audience score, nice. right? Um, how many reviews does it have of critics? 134. I don't know where... I don't know why, why can't it doesn't they get have that certification. certification. Uh, Maybe somebody at Rotten Tomatoes really doesn't like them. Yeah, they're like, no. So I was like, what is wrong with me? So I, with I started reading through a bunch of reviews because I, I was really having an existential crisis because sure. it felt like I was like, maybe I'm like misapprehending reality. Something's wrong. <laughs> also, misapprehending <laughs> is my favorite stripper name. <laughs> uh, so I read the 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 biggest new p- newspapers, LA Times, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Chicago Reader. And then you found the only person who agreed with you was Peter Travers. Um, no, but... What was really interesting, and here's where I'm going to come in and say, I'm not going to play Am I a Snob because I'm just going to say I'm a snob. Uh-huh. Because the people that I agreed with wrote for the LA Times, the New York Times, Chicago Times, Chicago Reader, all those guys. But and we all, were hedging. <laughs> but all the other ones, uh-huh. every other paper was like, this movie's great. Have a good time. Enjoy yeah. yourself. Uh-huh. Don't worry about it. Um, what did, Miss, did, did A.O. Scott review this? No, the New York Times was Jeanette Katsoulis. And I don't know Jeanette. I know Manola. She usually I does. Um, uh, she usually does TV reviews, actually. Oh, okay. um, but they all were echoing all the things that I didn't like. But it just made me feel like a pretentious snob. So hey. I really am regretful that I couldn't enjoy this movie because everyone is enjoying this movie, and it's just me up on a high perch with all the big like top newspaper critics. usually you know what ryan i know how you feel because usually that's me usually i feel like i'm i feel like i'm fraser standing up in an apartment above the city mm-hmm. <laughs> yelling out and saying people of seattle <laughs> do not see hey did you see that uh fraser got greenlit i shared that with you i know i just wanted to bring it up <laughs> um but i do want to take just a very quick moment to say I rewatched Dirty Dancing, and I promise this is all relevant. Okay. I rewatched Dirty Dancing, and that movie shows Baby Hausman doing things that are heroic and brilliant. She goes and she learns how to dance with Patrick Swayze. Amazing. Incredible. Hero- I would I would say heroic, learning to dance with Patrick Swayze. No, 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 no. He is the hero <laughs> He's, in that situation. Yeah, yeah, he dealt with her. But I think it's interesting that my problem with what if is that I could not relate to those characters and mm-hmm. I couldn't get on their level mm-hmm. of what they wanted and how they're going about well, it. Cause they were of the people and you were <laughs> in your tower. But what I found interesting is when I watched dirty dancing, baby does things that I wouldn't do either. Like, or she does things and I wouldn't do them. Mm-hmm. I, she, she like steps in. And I'm like, no, that'd be too much for me. I would like run away. And then she's like, I can dance. I can do the competition. It's like, no way would I ever think I could do that. Yeah. There's a huge difference there though. You are morally like in disagreement with the actions that characters are taking. You're not morally in disagreement with her actions. Yeah, I guess that's true. I think that's the major difference. So I don't know how you're comparing these two. Well, I guess my main point is it's interesting. I think... Do you do you agree that feeling out a movie 
as long as you have consent, I think it's fine. <laughs> it's it's that aspect of real the relating to a character. You don't necessarily have to have an experience like them, but you somehow oh. are connecting to them. Yeah, this is. I mean, this was my whole thesis. Our first twenty movies, where I was, I I remember back there was there was a time where you said that you had a harder time especially relating with the female protagonists of films yeah i don't think you have that problem anymore i don't think you necessarily had that as a problem but it was harder for you to get over the 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 edge at times yeah and now you don't and so i i think that's you're just like welcome welcome aboard i well i think it's opening up i think you have a bazillion movies on your shelves. It's an amazing collection. And I think any of them that you revisit that you might not have connected with those characters before, either it's a poorly made film and you just can't connect to them. Or maybe it's kind of like what if where moralistically they don't. But I think for all those other ones that maybe you had a hard time with before or you wanted to, I think you're learning that empathy is something that is like the main driving force behind the viewer and the audience in films. And you know this from like a filmmaker's perspective, but I think learning that as an active audience member is a new way to participate in movies for you maybe. Yeah. But and I, I sounded pretentious right there. So I, I apologize. I, like I wasn't meant to be condescending, but at the very least dirty dancing is amazing. And we agree on that 100%. I think it's, I think like I was telling you earlier today when we were taking our children for a walk together, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm so sorry that you started out like in your, in your modern dance movie education with one of the best. It's all downhill from here. I think it's all downhill from there. It's just, it's such a great film. But people, please go watch Dirty Dancing yes. again. Yes. Um, I was just astounded by my rewatch on Saturday, how much I felt like I was baby and I was the one who fell in love with Patrick Swayze, and I was the one who had the best time of my life. And that's <laughs> that is the magic power of cinema that no other art form comes close to for me. And I, I just ah, I, I love was it. I was thinking about the ending of Dirty Dancing after you made that post of you watching it, mm-hmm. and there's just something about endings, yeah, that end in a bombastic like this is the height of the movie, not the come down of the movie yeah. that, that I, I want to see more often. It's like when you leave whiplash and you know, JK Simmons is looking at, uh, miles, miles Teller. He's like, ah! and he's like, yeah, give it to me. Yes. <laughs> drum, drum. Cut and, black. and it's just like you, you leave with goosebumps and I want to leave every movie with at least a powerful feeling. It doesn't always have to be heightened to that degree, but yeah. just like, Power. The 80s were so good at this, as yeah. we'll get into Footloose, but Top Gun does the same thing. We're like, yeah! <laughs> well, because it ends with Iceman and Tom Hanks. Yeah, and they're yeah. just like, just holding each other and embracing each other, and you're like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, kiss, <laughs> kiss! Uh, so let's, let's keep that love rolling for this next great 80s movie, Footloose. Let me tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. (laughs) Who do we meet first? John Lithgow? Do we meet John Lithgow first? Yeah, we meet John Lithgow first. He's... 
doing a fire and brimstone. No, no, we meet a bunch of feet first because the intro to this Uh, movie is very fun. We meet Kenny Loggins in an early '90s, late '80s kind of way. Even Even though though it's an early, this is early '80s, um, but like it, it had the same feeling of. Uh, my best friend's wedding. Yeah. You know, where it's like, we're opening with a song. We're going to give you the feeling of what's going on here first. Yeah. And like, they were just like kids dancing around and, you know, it's not like the world's best dancing. It's just, it's just, they're fun and it just gets the energy going. Do you know who came up with the, the term footloose for the movie, the title? That was Kenneth Loggins. No, it was Kevin Bacon. Hey, what if we were foot loose? The movie was originally going to be titled Cheek to Cheek. No! No! And how how it ended up turning out is the big dance sequence that's in the steel mill, or the whatever the mill is, it was supposed to be a fight, but it ended up being Kevin Bacon being like, no, 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 I just want to run it out. Can we just make it like a big run out sequence? I just want to like dance it out. I want to get foot loose. Oh, so that's amazing. apparently that's how they named the movie. One of my favorite shots of cinema is Kevin Bacon running downstairs and going, "Let's dance!" <laughs> it's so good. It's so <laughs> iconic. Um, and when we get to that scene, uh, I'll have even more trivia. Oh, good. Okay. So anyway, we start off with John Lithgow giving a fiery sermon. Yep, he's a Southern. I don't think he's technically a Southern Baptist, but he's of the style of a Southern Baptist. Yeah, he's he's not he's I think he's kind of halfway between like true Southern Baptist and like a more Presbyterian look because he's got that straight up and down nature, but he is slamming Bibles. Yeah, but it's not like he's like saying, can I get an amen? Yeah, he's not uh, he's not very charismatic, but he is charismatic. If you know what I mean, you evangelical friends of mine. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He he's not talking to snakes, but he is um, rousing people for the audience that he's talking to. He's probably the most dramatic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah, and it's yeah. a very, it's a very moralistic sermon. And I I right off the bat want to praise Lithgow and the writers of what they do with this character because I think it is the mm. best example of having a antagonistic character who is a religious figure, mm-hmm. but done in a way that is never, well, he's a little flat, but that's kind of the point. Yeah, but I, I do think that they they take the time to humanize him, yeah. which is important. Like, they do this in Dirty Dancing as well, but I really do think they humanize this character more, even if his character is more of a caricature than that dad was. Yeah, and he's he's kind of a, crappy preacher because this this sermon he's just moralizing and a good sermon's got jesus front and center and this guy's just telling everyone how wrong they are and you're just like and kevin bacon's like oh god why am i here and we we get like kevin bacon's new in town and it's obvious like he's like he's scoping out the babes he's doing what single people do on planes where he's looking for anybody his age yeah or as i was brought up in the church that was just how i did my social life i'm like who do we got who we got what are we doing because <laughs> i wasn't allowed to look for women anywhere else other than church yeah. are you saying you were only allowed to look for women in the holy of holies <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no nobody's allowed there <laughs> so like he immediately scouts out uh laurie singer laurie singer who who what is her character's name again 
Ari- Ariel. Ariel, that's Come right. Come on, how memorable is a character name like Ariel? I don't know why I, I had a hard time rem- I had a hard time remembering her name. So, and Kevin Bacon is Ren, cool name. As in Kylo. Mister. As in the fair. Oh, uh, he's going to the Ren fair with Ariel. Sounds I like, don't think they'd be caught dead at the Ren fair. No. Uh, so they're like, yo, yo. And Ariel's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, Ariel's like, I've got cool people to hang out with. So we get what Ren's situation is. He's new in town with his mom. Dad's out of the picture. He's living at, they're living with aunt and uncle. Meets the preacher. Hello, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And, and they're from the big city. They're from Chicago. And this is based on a town in Oklahoma, but there's a lot of Rockies in the background. I think it is specifically set in Utah. Yeah, and, and yeah, I know they shot it in Utah. Um, because I, I read about it, but also the Rockies are in the background. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, this is not Oklahoma. I don't think. Yeah. Cause they keep referencing like, oh yeah, you know, you, you keep going far off in Kansas. It's like, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. like you must be, you must be Way really close. <laughs> you must be really, really driving across Colorado. Yeah, just drive fast. east several hundred miles and you'll hit Kansas. <laughs> just cross the Rockies. <laughs> you'll get there. Yeah. Um, and then we meet Ariel proper and she's like, Hey daddy, I'm the preacher's kid. And Hi, I'm, daddy. I'm all crazy. Cause Money I'm the preacher's daddy. kid. Uh, if you ever been friends with the preacher's kid, this is hundred percent true. Very much. Um, <laughs> I think my little brother would agree that he is the prototypical cop son and I tended to be more neutral, mm-hmm. but I think similar, similar veins, same, same vibes. Yeah. Uh, so she goes and hangs out with her friends, including Sarah Jessica Parker. Woo! Show up for Rusty. You yeah. know, she was actually supposed to have red hair in this movie, but she said, no. No way. She wouldn't let him cut it or dye it. But it's cool seeing her here. Um, she was just in... Frank, Robin told me. Robin's... See, she's the one we she's have She's a Sarah on Jessica Parker expert. Well, no, she's the dance movie expert, but she was in a dance movie as the lead. Oh, dang. Like, just before this. Oh, and dang. so it was weird barely seeing her dance in this film let's just look it up let's just take a second look it up is no. it girls just want to have fun is yes. that a musical is that it, a dance movie yeah oh i didn't know that okay cool we should do that one next we'll do that next week well <laughs> she looks way older it's only been a couple years crazy wait was this afterwards just a little bit oh okay never mind. 85 just a year later so never mind. Well, she, it was after. Nonetheless, she had dance experience. Yeah, exactly. She knew she knew what she was doing. So they're all hanging out. They're going this. They're driving to nowhere because they live in nowhere. This and, is crazy to set up your main character like this. Like this yeah. is nuts. So they're in a car. They're hanging out, and then her boyfriend shows up, and he starts driving along the left side of the road, and it's a two-way street mm-hmm. um and ariel's like i'm gonna jump in that truck and sarah jessica Parker's like you're crazy <laughs> and all the other girls are like you're crazy i do not know how they did this stunt i don't either it's amazing because she straddles i know straddles both cars and it seems to be they seem to be going like 50 miles an hour the okay i was trying to think about this like obviously there's probably some behind the scenes we could look up but I was just trying to think, how can she be safe? Okay. Because you have different elements tugging at her. Like if you have somebody holding her from one car, somebody holding from another, right? Yeah. And they didn't speed up the film at all. They might've been able to undercrank it a little bit. Maybe a, but a little bit. It's, they're still going at least 40 miles an hour. Yeah. And like, I was trying to see if there was like a plank that they were hiding with her clothes or something, but she's, 
I don't think so. Like she's wearing a skirt, but I didn't see anything. Could they have wired? No, because we like see her legs. So you can't like wire her in there. Well, I was, I was wondering too, because like the actual shot that we get of her between the truck and the car, like there was room to have a crane driving up there. Yeah. But like, I don't know if they had the tech at the time. Well, they did have the tech to paint out like a wire, but like this is a big moving shot and it's live action. Like I don't. No way. Anyway, it's complicated, and it's complicated it's by the fact that she's nuts. Yeah, you're nuts. And then there's a big semi that comes by, and they go, ah, and they drive just in time. She gets into the truck. And she has this Thanatus-like just grip on on her soul where she just, the whole way through the movie, she's just like, I'm interested in death from an excited way. Yeah, she ain't living unless she's staring death straight in the face. Yeah, whether that death is a semi-truck or a train or eternal damnation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, that's Ariel. We really get to know Ariel. Yeah, and her friends are pissed, rightfully so. Yeah. Like later on, she's like, buy me fries, and they're like, fuck <laughs> you! <laughs> Get crazy. Uh, so then they're hanging out downtown in the oh, burger yeah. place and they start dancing in the sheets because or whatever she, that song is. She Because she turns it on and I really like this sequence, the way they film it, where she like flips on this radio, this boom box outside on her boyfriend's car. And her boyfriend is like... A dick. You can already tell he's, he's not going to be a good husband material no. because he, he like, you know, he does that thing where he's like, shut up. You know, like yeah. just in that way where no, you're like, no, mm, no, no. that's going to become a thing. Walk away. But when she turns on this music, everybody in the surrounding area hears it, even though they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like the people in the bathroom right. hear it. The and people on the other side the of the beat. parking lot like, hear Ooh, it. Oh yeah, I love this song. And it's it's just like, you can tell that this whole city has like this underpinning desire that they're hiding from the big wigs yeah they're like let my wiggles out a little yeah. bit oh, but yeah. it was pretty poetic as far as the scene it was great being shot yeah but then John Lithgow shows up him and his big hands he's like and what's so good about the scene is that in a worse movie you would have the antagonistic religious leader just drag her away drag her away yell tell them you're all going to hell you sinners ye have lost the way and all that but he's just kind of very quiet and is like your mother wanted you to have some money for food yeah and, and he then, just looks disappointed he looks hurt yeah like more i think more than even disappointed it it feels like she has stabbed him somewhere yeah yeah and she feels really guilty and yeah. who can blame her cuz ouch and I guess in the meantime, because we don't get their conversation until a little, like a couple nights later. In the meantime, Kevin Bacon is basically introduced to school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for uh, Kevin Bacon decided to go to a high school in Provo where they were shooting <laughs> just to like at, undercover. He had like the uh, principal's permission and like a guidance counselor's permission, but nobody else knew. Uh-huh. And he was there for like, three hours and he's like this is too much i can't be here <laughs> anymore but uh, he said it was very much like the way the movie was where like people were making fun of his clothes and stuff and i don't know nobody paid that much attention to me in high school where if i showed up looking weird it's not like people would be like oh my god look at him well <sighs> he did have the david bowie suit and i like the david bowie name really cool that was awesome yeah um but i have a feeling that in this setting yeah it's in possible. small town Everyone dresses the same, and no one dresses like 
David Bowie, much yeah. less Ren, whatever Ren's version of it. Yeah. And he's he immediately makes like 50 enemies just walking into the school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he turns one of them into a friend. Yeah, he meets Chris Penn and uh, not Chris Penn Glover, just Chris Penn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very different villains. Uh, and Chris Penn's like, want to fight? And Ren's like, no. <laughs> and Chris Penn's like, I like you. No, he he more like stands up to him. Yeah. He like insults him back. And I like that, like, like I don't know why, but Kevin Bacon obviously took a shine to him. Yeah. In some way. Uh, much like how you took a shine to me back in college. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. that's how it started. We Yeah, you really like, tried to fight me. fight? <laughs> And I was like, your shoes untied. Yeah. So they start hanging out and they they become best buds. Yeah. And Chris Penn seemingly just loses all of his other friends. He's like, I'm just going to exclusively hang out with you. Now. I don't know if he had any other friends. He was walking with another dude. Well, I guess so. Also, later in the movie, they start hanging out with this third dude for like a second. Woody. Who the, f- who the fuck is that? Well, Woody, he was there. So he was there um, during the the tractor the, the, crash. The chicken. Yeah. Oh, he was the one with all the tractor advice. Yeah. Oh, him. And then he's the one that saves him outside of the... Um, the quickie mart. Yeah. But he disappears for like a half an hour in this movie. Yeah. And I liked him. He <laughs> basically looks like... Woody looks like Clark Kent. Yeah. He should have played Superman. Yeah. I like Woody. Um, I wish there was more Woody. Me too. Uh, so he makes enemies with Ariel's boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, what's his name um dick yeah he's a dick <laughs> he's he's that guy who's like wow you're gonna punch you're gonna punch women when you grow up <laughs> yeah and he punches women in this movie yeah uh and also ren gets a job packing flour at this awesome like liberal-minded but still conservative place where the boss is like you're all right <laughs> yeah i like the boss a lot he's got a mustache and he's just like you know a lot of people treat you bad when you're from somewhere else but that ain't me i like you and yeah. ren's like so i start thursday right and the boss is like all right oh, i like him I'm like, i like you yeah and i like the job that he has which is just pick up flour big black bags of flour toss it over there it's a good like, job knock it out it's like you get a good workout. I would do that. Yeah. Would I, mm, would I do that? I would do it like if I was 18 to go like build a little bit of muscle and get in shape. Yes, I would. I remember when you and I went out and did a job for your dad and we were digging dirt and I was just going about it and I'm like, Oh, we got all day to do this. And you're like, right, dig, dig, dig. <laughs> Cause your dad was project managing. I'm like, what's the big deal? We got all day. You're like, dig, dig. Yeah. <laughs> My dad didn't want me to hire you anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. I was not a good manual laborer. Uh, I, you know what? I'm. I wasn't either. It was just that I had a a, a great willpower not to disappoint my father. <laughs> uh, very relevant to uh, this movie. Yeah, totally. Um. So that's when he gets approached by Ariel. He's been challenged to a game of tractor chicken. That's right. She comes up and she's like, "Hey, I'm." I think you're cute, but I'm not going to say that out loud, but you know, I'm here. Come, come play chicken with my boyfriend so I can like watch and just go <laughs> nice. <laughs> terrible impression of her. Terrible. Impression. No, she, that's what she, but is that's like. her. Exactly. And Ren's like, okay. And he does this stupid game of chicken, which is like, I don't know why I have to do this, but, but it's so he's great. got his honor. His hero moment though, is like he, he commits to it, but then he's like partway through the chicken. He's like, no, I'm getting out of here. And then he can't because his shoelace is caught. Yeah. And so he he kind of wins by virtue of luck. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that's beautiful. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. And we're just kind of like, we don't think he's super powered because we would have bailed at some point. But yeah. we like that he wins anyways. Yeah, I don't think I would have bailed. I'd commit to it. First off, he has no logical reason to bail. Okay. The, the lifts on those very, very slow. That's true. He's not going to get stabbed or anything. I think what you do is these people, these are their tractors crash the tractor into him. You don't owe owe him anything. You're going to wreck his shop. If I was him, I wouldn't know how to do it wisely. You know, I guess because he's very like he's never been yeah. on a track. No, no. Yeah. He definitely has the disadvantage. But like there's no reason why <laughs> <laughs> he he would like, ha- I guess, unless he was fearing for his life, I guess. Yeah. But but he wins. And now he wins. he's the new new hero of the town and the boyfriend. Like, I'm going to kill him. Well, you know, he's he's hero of his tiny friend group. Yeah. Which, which includes Chris Penn and Clark Kent. And uh, also, what's her name? Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker. Because she's she's friends with Ariel, but not seemingly her boyfriend. Yeah. She's like, no. That dude I sucks. don't like that guy. And then she, at some point, kind of starts dating Chris Penn yeah. behind the scenes. So we get into the second act, which is a lot of Kevin Bacon and Chris Penn hanging out. And Kevin Bacon's like, uh, hang out with me while I do gymnastics. And Chris Penn's like, that sounds dope. I'll do that. <laughs> Yeah, I like the friendship, though. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. great. And they just kind of hang out. And they befriend Ariel Moore and Sarah Jessica Parker Moore, and they start hanging out. And then we learn what's going on in the town, that no one's allowed to dance, no one's allowed to listen to rock music. Yeah. It's every it's all locked down because city council has outlawed dancing. Because, which, based on the, the town that actually did this, but they did it in 1896. Right. <laughs> not 1975, yeah. which is like this movie's. But in this in this context, what happened was there were kids coming back from dancing and they were driving and they almost ran into another car and they both went off the bridge and like all these kids died. Yeah. And so it was like a tragedy for the town and they overreacted and passed these laws completely. And one of the children we find out later is William, William Lithgow, (laughs) John Lithgow's son. Yeah. Um, Laurie's brother and that gives us all the context that this movie requires of why is Lithgow such an antagonistic character to everybody like this and And also why is Ariel so kind of crazy yeah Yeah. Um, and he feels the pressure Ren feels the pressure of like this town expects him expects him to behave in a certain way that he's not allowed to, to listen. Conform. Yeah, he's not allowed to listen to his rock music. He's not allowed to dance. He's not allowed yeah. to be himself. He gets pulled over by cops, and they're like, "You respect me, boy. Don't play David Bowie or Quiet Riot. I hate yeah. their third album, but their <laughs> earlier work is much better." Yeah, a lot of Quiet Riot snobs. Um, and then the the other thing, let's see, what else happens in this town? Like. Wh- He's like somebody attempts to get him caught buying drugs, but he's like, I'm going to sell you this joint. <laughs> yeah. He tries to get this joint on him and this teacher's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Here? And it's obvious like he, he, he was knew that up. was going to happen. And Kevin Bacon in what I think is just smooth streetwise. I know exactly what to do with this. He just runs to the toilet 
they're all chasing him right behind him and he just flushes the joint and he's like would i would i do that if it was real Come you know on how now. much that goes an out for now and so there's like no evidence and, and the there's teacher's like, like i'm gonna get your ass and it's like we don't know this teacher but we just know that people are after him because so, he's different so when i was 11 I was terrified that this is what happens in high school, mm. that some bad kid was going to like come up to you and like plant drugs on you and the teacher's <laughs> going to find you with drugs on you and, and your life's going to be over when this happens. I was like, oh, so I'm glad that never actually happened to me. No, um, the schools are rife with them. Watch out, kids. <laughs> but Somebody's going to do it to you. I've always pictured you as the person who would be the street smart person. Of like, here's what you do if this ever happens. Because you watch movies like Footloose. Not my first two years of high school. <laughs> my second two, probably. You had to like jump in there like, whoa, 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 whoa. I had to watch Footloose. And getting, then I learned everything. Getting pretty crazy, guys. So it comes to the head where his uncle's like, I'm not your father, but let me tell you something. And Ren's like, you know what, man? You're not my father. I got to dance out my feelings. So he does. He just fucking dances him, man. He... He goes and he dances. Four other people dance as well, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> don't notice them. Not stunt people. Not stunt people. And, you know, I don't care, though, no. because, like, the scene is so great. Like, it really, the song plus Kevin Bacon's acting when we see his face really gives me, like, yeah, I just gotta get it out. I sincerely think, and we mentioned this on Dirty Dancing, and we mentioned this on, what's the last days movie we, we did? Um, maybe Top Gun? wouldn't do mystic pizza oh mystic pizza yeah yeah uh i sincerely think that the 80s movies are aging i mean this with all pretension and all sincerity behind me saying i'm just like the top newspaper critics i really think 80s films are aging so well yes so well because the music and the visuals is creating this aesthetic that is undeniably itself and unique and original and open-hearted yeah that kind of open-heartedness hasn't been seen in any other decade. I just, like, what we have the opportunity for here is to see someone by themselves feeling something, right? Mm -hmm. There's action, because something's happening as well, but we are just sitting in somebody's emotions, and, I mean, they're just, like, stewing this. Feel what he's feeling. Just yeah. go feel it. And it's just... The, filmmaker slapping us aside the head and be like this is what kids are feeling right now for yeah. you like conservative drag down adult types who aren't having any fun yeah i think there's something about millennials grew up in the 90s which was the 90s correctly needed to react against the 80s and find its its own identity and to do that it kind of had to zag where the 80s were sorry gen x zigging. what identity exactly <laughs> Very, no, I'm just joking. You guys are fun. But very Tarantino, you know, where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, we're cool and we're sharp and all that stuff. And then yeah, and we don't really care. And we we grew up in that. That's what the environment we grew up in. And then in the aughts when we were becoming teenagers, we were growing up in the shadow of 9-11 in a very significant conservative era where our movies were as Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, very serious and stern filmmaking. Right. And But like they thought, they thought in the year 2000, everything's fine. Everyone has money. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, is this what it's going to be like in high school? And then like my first, my second, my, no, the end of my first week of high school, 9-11 happened. Yeah. And it was just like, uh, okay, everything's going to be a little different culturally from here on out. But I think the Obama years for millennials were like, you know, I'm just going to catch my breath. 
I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to catch my breath. And that was like the Portlandia years. We first moved to Portland when those that show was coming out. And everyone's yeah. just kind of like chilling in the Obama years. And then Trump and everyone's like, everything's on fire. <laughs> and it got stressful again. And it's been COVID. And I think we're now in our 30s. And we're just like, man, I just got to feel something. And these 80s movies are such a tonic for us. I really hope that that's where we end up like in a new new fashioned way. I hope that's where cinema takes us now for this decade a return to open-hearted you know storytelling because i think you know when we talk about like toxic masculinity and all that stuff it's like a lot of that like what we see in kevin bacon patrick swayze and dirty dancing maverick and top gun it's like letting your emotions be seen and letting your emotions be like let out and getting an outlet for that yeah and i i feel like there was there was almost no space for that especially after the bush years because it's like no we need to show you that we know what we're saying mm-hmm. like so there's a lot of meta speak in movies and a lot of like tongue and cheekness it's like no no we get what we get what we're about yeah like we understand i know that eight years of us didn't but now now we get it right and that's fun and all, but after a while, it just gets so tired. Like, I, all the jokes sound the same. Yeah. So, whew, great scene. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon jumps off a ledge with a rope, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that that's him. Ooh, cool. Yeah. That's great. But, like... For the, the for a lot of it though, like that tracking shot is so cool, but that's obviously not him dancing. Yeah, but the, that dancer is like really just like going for it, like, Argh! and he's like a gymnast, and so he's gymnast. Is this also right after he's kicked off the gymnastics team? Right about then. Yeah. Right about then. Yeah. No more gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where Fat Boy Slim got it. Uh, so he he dances out, then he hangs out with Ariel, and she's like, "Yo, sup?" And we oh. we. Before this, we've seen Ariel basically post coitus with her her boyfriend. Oh, so, yeah. so we know that she's she's, a she's down to clown. Yeah, um, and she starts hanging out with Ren, and they go down the they literally go across the tracks. They go down. No, I mean she she tries to kiss him right after this dance sequence. Does she really try to kiss him? Well, yeah. She says she like leans in. She's like, "Do you want to kiss me?" Oh, right. Do you want to kiss yeah, me? Okay. And and Ren's like, "You're weird." Yeah, he, I mean, Ren sees her as. A little, like Ren just dances hard out, but he sees her as like she's a little bit of a loose cannon. Here. Yeah, like I, he doesn't want to mix himself up with her until he knows her better. Yeah. which I like that. Yeah, because usually it's the other way around, right? And so they go, they go down to the train tracks, and they go to this cool room, this like Peter Pan room, where they like write down all these yeah. things that shouldn't be written down. Yeah, this great way yeah. to express themselves. Yeah, like, it does Ren's feel like, Lost Boysy. Awesome, man! I like this place. Yeah, and. Ariel's like, let's go stand in front of a train. And Ren's like, okay. Ren's I am- like, this isn't stand by me. What are you doing? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and he rescues her from a train. And again, she likes to uh, get the vapors of death in her nostrils. Right. And she's high as fuck <laughs> after this, just from like getting that close to death. And she, she's looking over at him the whole time. Like she like keeps darting her eyes back over at him. If he didn't save her, she would have hit, been yeah. hit. Like, she wasn't going to jump out of the way. She was just going to wait for him to save her. Yeah. So they have a good time, but he's just kind of like, you're chill, I think. We can keep hanging out. Well, but I like you're, you. You're not. Well, you're not chill, but maybe I like you enough to be okay with that. <laughs> exactly. So she, we see her come home, and John Lithgow's like, you broke curfew. Yeah. And he's very, he's very calm and serene, but there's something boiling underneath him. Yeah, and... It's it's more 
disappointment again. And I, I really want to trace back to the earlier scene that we skipped over where she's like working after he caught her playing the music outside the burger joint. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're working next to each other and it's kind of that thing where they talk it out and she's sorry. And she says she's sorry. And he's like, you know, it's okay. He, he kind of like, it's okay. Is her, but then she tries to address the broader issue by talking about his music and trying to relate to him. She tries like two or three different times, but he's, he's just too obsessed with his own work and kind of just doesn't want to deal with what's in front of him. He's the really old fashioned dad that he somehow is not able to interface with his daughter. Yeah. And it's, it's really great though, because that, I think even that humanizes him as a character. Like it's, it doesn't give him, happy points, you know, in our dad book, but it's definitely something where I'm like, you're becoming less of a faceless villain and more of a person I understand. Yeah. And it's kind of tragic. Yeah. I understand that you're, for whatever reason, can't connect to your daughter. And so you guys are at this impasse where your relationship is very strained. Right. I mean, she does a lot of good jobs of trying to like, trying to find ways to connect and be like, what about you like classical music? What, what's this music? It's like, oh, she's trying so hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, we get their sense of the relationship, but then we see her breaking curfew and all that. And he, it's like, you can't hang out with that Ren kid anymore. Yeah. And he starts, his name is a bird's name. (laughs) He starts laying down the law more and she acts like a PK and really starts to overreact and rebel against him laying down the law. And it's a vicious cycle. And the way, the way they kind of doubly like double down on this is, Ren starts talking about like hosting a dance because there hasn't been a dance here. And, you know, he's, I think he's given the idea by Chris Penn. Yeah. Well, Kevin Bacon's like, let's put some playboys in those Bibles. And he's yeah. like, I'll do you one better. Let's dance. <laughs> it's like, That'll be really brilliant. bad. <laughs> and then after that, like they go to the dance place. Yeah. They go across to a different town where dancing's allowed and they dance to some John Cougar Mellon camp. So good. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty nerdy as yeah. far as dancing is concerned, but like, I'm here for it. Yeah. And Chris Penn's like, oh, don't dance. And Sarah Jessica Parker has to sit with him until she can't Ugh. take it anymore. And, and she, she just, just has to dance. She goes to the dance hall. Chris Penn gets super jealous of this guy who's dancing with her. Who's way too old for her. <laughs> yeah. Way too old. But I like this as like a, um, like a smaller circle metaphor for the broader problem, which is like most of the people are just ashamed of their inability to express themselves in this manner. Mm-hmm. Like that I mean that's like another problem with the whole like moralizing that dance is bad. Yeah. And like Chris Penn is afraid of dancing, right? Yeah. And what he needs is a Sherpa. That Sherpa is Kevin Bacon, who's also the Sherpa for the rest of the town. Yeah. Right? And so he's like, Town, let's let's have a dance for the high school. And everyone's like, it's outlawed. You have to have city council vote to allow you to do it. And he's like, fine, we'll get the votes. And so they kind of have this campaign. In the meantime, Chris Penn well, who learns to dance. Who convinces who? Kevin Bacon's like, if we're going to have a dance, you're going to dance. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, if, if, oh, if I have to go and talk in front of city council, you have to dance. And so we start with the song and it's got such a good groove. And we have one of the greatest dance montages of all time. And Robin pointed this out as we were watching it. So rarely in these movies, do you see it like a friend is teaching a friend Mm -hmm. how to dance? And it's, it's usually like there's like some sexual tension or something. And in yeah. this, it's 
it's like two guys just teaching or like teaching and learning how to dance and there's something very cool about that yeah because chris penn is so earnest if you watch his face the whole time he's like really like he's really trying he's like okay i'm i'm so i'm I'm nervous but i'm here to do this and kevin bacon's like you're good man you've got this we can do this isn't it crazy that this chris penn is the chris penn in like reservoir Reservoir dogs Dogs. yeah i can't believe it (laughs) um but the they dance with Ren's cousins and they dance. There's a great move where he's dancing and then he pulls him into wrestling moves. Like, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do, and then it fa- ends with him doing this like really big number for Kevin Bacon and he does this ta-da moment and you're like, yes. And then he tries on some clothes and Kevin Bacon is like, no, no, no. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Chris Penn now can dance and I guess is dating Sarah Jessica Parker. He gets very yeah. upset and punches people that tries to dance with her earlier, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, meanwhile, we're having a lot of scenes. We get a lot more scenes of John Lithgow as a pastor. He's hanging out with other people and they're like, we have to burn these books. Yeah. And John Lithgow's like, we're not doing that. Yeah. He's like, well, put a pin in that. We'll talk about that later. Um, because like he's, this movie again humanizes him as a character because he's going around to like different groups of people in the town mm-hmm. and he's trying to bolster community and he's talking up small town like ethics and like the yeah. small town is where family exists and, and, and we are all that family yeah and you can't get that in the big city and it's like man nothing has changed like this is the talking point in fox news it's like oh big city's at it again something <laughs> bad happened and that but there is something there is something undeniably true about what he's saying mm-hmm. however coupling the reason why it's complicated is because he says the exact same words. It's all rote. It's just, he's just rehearsed this thing and he says it to all these different groups the same exact way. Yeah. And so though it is morally idealistic, it has this failing, which is it's stale and passe and just it's bordering on untrue simply because it lacks passion. Yeah. And so on the one hand, we get this very trite pastor character who's spouting these idealisms, but seems to be disconnected from reality and Mm -hmm. isn't actually engaging with his community. He's just holding holding them to a standard that is impossible. Yes. It's not possible to be living this standard. On the other hand, we have a scene where he's talking to someone from the community and they're like, hey, you didn't help us out when we tried to get that, when we got that high school English teacher fired. And he's like, because that was a bad idea and I didn't support it. That's why. Yeah. And he's like hanging out with the kids and he's like, hey, who's going to give me a cookie? And it's like, he's suddenly a fun pastor. He's like, I feel so conflicted about you. You seem so cool now. This is, this is the mark of a good character writer and Mm -hmm. a a good uh, actor to bring it to life is that none of these characters are perfect. You know, like Diane Weist, I guess comes close, but like Lori Singer's character is, I don't know. She is random chaos agent, but you can tell that she's hurting so much and that she just wants her dad's love, but she doesn't know exactly how to crack that egg. And yeah, but she but she is like this free spirit that we like all kind of want to be a little bit more like. Yeah. And so this movie is just populated with characters. Yeah. Um, and so he has really stern words for Ariel and is like, I don't want you hanging out with Ren. 
I don't want you around that. You know, he's he very is strict with her. She acts out and he slaps her. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. And he's even like, whoa. And Diane Weiss is like, whoa. whoa. And so they, Diane Weist and John Lithgow have a great conversation in the church where she's like. Her monologue is just yeah. so good. She's like, you're a great pastor, but you suck as a husband. Yeah. You're and, terrible. And as a father. Like, she's like, one-on-one, you're just bad these days. Yeah. And I mean, she, she but she says it in that way that is, it hurts more because she says it gracefully. Mm-hmm. But I hate <laughs> that I kind of relate to John Lithgow's character only in the sense of. You're trying so hard, and the more you try doing this one thing, you fail spectacularly at this other thing. Mm. Like, us being dads and husbands and trying to make money, it's like, we're trying so hard, but something always gets lost in the way. Like, I forget to take Sarah out on a date, and like our relationship suffers. But that's only because I'm trying to make sure that we have enough money for the things that we want to do and have the house that we want. And... Uh, I mean, this is the American plight kind yeah. of. Yeah, and so yeah. they did a great job. I, I did not. I this is my second viewing, but I did not realize I would be relating to him almost more than Ren in a certain way. Well, I think the the true characters that change. Ren doesn't change in this movie. Really, he no. gets he gets better at public speaking. Yeah, but he's just a good hero. Yeah, and but John Lithgow and his daughter are the two characters that change most. And I, I guess uh, Chris Penn as well. Yeah. Like he's Kevin Bacon is just the catalyst and we're watching all of these small town people come alive. Yeah. Like John Lithgow, when he talks about slapping his daughter, he's like, I've never hit anybody in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and then he hits one of the people he loves most. Yeah. Right. And that is a complicated feeling that he probably wouldn't have had to confront without Kevin Bacon coming into town. Yeah. So there's this basic falling out between him and his daughter, uh, obviously. Um, and it comes to head with this dance where Kevin Bacon brings the ordinance or the movement to the city well, council. This is, this is post their fight though. Yeah. Remember when John Lithgow is fighting with her in the church? Oh, that happened. Uh, that happens after. Does, Does it? it happen after? Oh no, you're right. Because she comes there to talk to him after he yeah, votes to convince it down. him. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So continue. Okay. <laughs> so Kevin Bacon, this is a great performance because it's like clearly a speech delivered by a high school senior. He's like, "My bros, I have this movement." <laughs> he's very nervous. Well, he's not nervous, but he's just he doesn't have a lot of experience on conveying things. So he was almost having a panic attack during that scene because he doesn't public speak it mm. makes kevin bacon very nervous the way he got through it was laudanum laudanum i believe so what's like what's laudanum it's like a it's like a drug oh that chills, <laughs> that chills you out uh so it's a bit of a bit of a downer yeah bit of a okay yeah so like he he, he came out and talked about this he's like that was the hardest scene for me to do <laughs> interesting um so but, but it's he, delivered so well yeah and he makes a movement, he makes a motion, and the city council's like, fuck off! Um, and all the kids are like, let him speak, let him speak! And then these grown-ups are like, we should not let him speak. And Diane Weist is like, shut the fuck up! Yeah. <laughs> shut the front door, she says, as a preacher's wife. Yeah, and, which are great. And earlier, uh, Ariel got him like 
you know, the best thing, like fight fire with fire kind of wording, because she gives him a Bible that's all marked up with all the yeah. passages about dance. Yeah. So he drops Psalm 149 on their asses. And then he goes, he goes right for the Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. right afterwards. Yeah. And John Lithgow's like, well, he's got a point. Make a convincing argument, but nothing, nothing actually changes and is voted on, but they are like. But you can tell the cracks are forming in John Lithgow. Totally. Uh, so. I can't remember the order of operations. At some point, Kevin Bacon and Ariel just are like, yo, let's hook up. Well, she breaks up with her boyfriend first and Who beats her up. Yeah. So there's like this poor, poor Ariel gets hit a lot in this movie. Yeah. Um, there's like this weird order of events for this scene, which tear down the morality of, of, of the scene in a really cool way where Basically, she comes to break up with him. She's trying to do it gracefully. He basically calls her a whore or something to that effect. So she slaps him. So he retaliates bigger. Yeah. So she retaliates bigger. And they just are in this brawl. Yeah. Where like, like you should not hit people and he shouldn't have hit her. Yeah. She shouldn't have hit him, but he shouldn't have hit her. It gets messy. (laughs) It gets really messy. And and it's like one of those scenes in a movie where you're just like, obviously he's more in the wrong, but I like how they paced this out where she's the character who, cause you're like Ariel, like stop. just walk away from this <laughs> walk. Yeah. But she can't walk away, which is part of her character, which is why she's like making this happen with Ren. Yeah. Right. And so it's a really great scene and she just gets beat up and it's, it's, it's really, it's really hard to see. And I can, I, I can kind of understand now that there is a lot of, talk of just like baseline misogyny in the movies movies and it's like yeah i feel that in a scene like this where it's like i don't know how the remake handles it but it does feel like a little much like it's like can we not be this violent towards ariel because she gets unfairly treated in this movie i guess so i to me it felt realistic it felt like this it didn't feel exploitative to me Mm. it to me it was just like the if you guys didn't see this coming the whole time, you weren't watching him right, close enough. Right. It does it does paint a very vivid picture for us. So. It, and it felt very like small town, like he's exciting for now, but he's growing Trash. up with a, a a way of thinking that is very backwards. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, then she goes and sees Kevin Bacon and they have a kiss and, and he, she gives him a music box yeah. and it's sweet. Yeah. And, th- and they, they're together. But I like, I like at one point in time, she's like, yeah, we're going to go stick it to my old man. And he's like, that's not what this is about. Yeah. You know, I like that Yeah, because he's a poor... but They don't get in a fight with about this and that's what's good about this. Yeah. And Ren's like, no, 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 no. Like this is about, and I, there's another scene where his mom is like, why are you doing this? And Ren's kind of like, uh, cause I needed to do something. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a reason. Yeah. I mean, that's a great teenage reason. Yeah. To really kind of prove something to the universe that yeah. you're, you're alive. Yeah. And, um, then at, at a certain point in time after this, she goes to talk to her dad at the church and it's a great confrontation because he's practicing uh, a sermon and Yeah, it's very theatrical. And she's like, you're just riling people up with theatrics. He's like, well, you're right. Yeah. And, they get in kind of a an argument because she's trying desperately for to get him to see her. Yeah. And he's just 
not looking away when she confronts him by like saying, I'm not even a virgin. He's like, how dare you, you say that? You can see that? the teeth fall out of his jaw. Yeah. And he like runs. And so he's desperately trying to even connect with her. I like the emotions of this because he runs and he grabs her and he shakes her, but he's, he's not hurting her. He's just like desperately trying to like, like tell her don't, please you're hurting me and she's like please you're hurting me not understanding me yeah because then, of the station he's taking on as the city's pastor he can't connect to his own daughter because because of that moral perfectionism yeah there's no way that he can connect to his daughter because no one can live up to the standard that he's preaching for yeah and it's at this point in this conversation that she is like she has way the moral high ground because she's like let's just be honest and like with truth comes the most high ground yeah and she's like that's what we're supposed to do i'm supposed to confess my sins i'm supposed to talk about this here and he can't hear it he literally can't listen and then the The church lady comes in she's like they're burning books at the library and he's like what the (laughs) and so he's like literally seconds after not being able to confront his daughter about this he goes and has to confront like his own hypocrisy when all of these people have taken it upon themselves to be the moral police of this town. Yeah. And literally burn books. And (laughs) it's like, Hey, let's be more Nazi ish in this town. How about just we (laughs) add that to it? (laughs) They really never get it. Whether it's they're burning Harry Potter books or burning whatever books these days, you guys, that's the Nazi way of doing things. You can do a lot of things. Just don't burn books. Don't burn books. <laughs> don't burn books, people. That's stupid. Delete your audiobooks. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Just delete them. Don't delete that audiobook. <laughs> Empty the recycle bin. Um, yeah, and so he's, he stops them. I really, I really think... Can I just rewrite a small part of this movie? Yeah, here? yeah. You write your first draft with your heart. You rewrite with your head. I think make this scene hit just a little harder. Mm-hmm. So earlier we had him and his daughter connect about music a little bit. And she's like, hey, why do you like, you know, Haydn? And he's like, Haydn's a moral, you know, thing. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I like Haydn. What if he was reading a book instead? Uh, or, or in addition, yeah. maybe in a different scene where he's reading, or like because they mentioned, well, Tom Sawyer is a classic, not yeah. Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah. Oh my god, I I wish I could have been that person in all the scenarios of like, oh, it's a great book. I yeah. just want to drop those things. I, yeah, Ugh. that that was a good scene earlier. Wasn't yeah, it? but what if he's reading a book that's kind of an edge case at one point in time? I don't, yeah. I don't know what that book would be, but something that his like moral police friend. Ended Maybe up, Dickens. Yeah. Well, what about Dickens? Like, when? When oh, was the oh, last? Oh, 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 Dostoevsky is actually a great case because you have a lot of characters that do bad things, and you uh, yeah. could totally make a case that it glorifies violence. But it's like, no, he was he was coming down on ethics, man. He was making some judicious cases here. Or, or yeah, or like the fact that um, maybe like a Brothers K, where it's like you know, God actually comes back and like somebody has to be like, don't. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's sacrilege or something like that. But like that. crime and punishment is about an ax murderer. So yeah. you could like, I could very easily hear someone like totally miscalculate what that means. Right. And so he, he sees this book being burned or like it was about to go on the pyre 
or yeah. it's even burning in there and he sees it and it just faces him with his own like hypocrisy where mm-hmm. he's he's doing the same thing to other people's that book. Yeah. I think that would just be, I think the scene works great as is. I think it would just would have made it hit just that much harder. Yeah. So the city council kiboshes anything for Ren. He talks to his boss and his boss is like, you know, I got a workaround. I think you guys should have a dance on the other side of the tracks right over here. And I still don't understand why that's okay. Because it's like, fire truck can't come and get you and i'm like fire truck don't arrest you no no it's it's he's saying that the city line uh-huh. is right there and so there's no jurisdiction oh, for police okay. right across that those train tracks yeah is it is it really that line though i guess so yeah i mean i'm not saying that that would stop somebody necessarily mm-hmm. but uh like especially in a small town like this I don't, yeah. I don't know how much those cops are abiding by those laws but yeah uh, yeah, technically they'd be in the right. Okay. So they're planning on throwing this dance, um, in the city and it still has this feeling of like, I can't remember who says it, but like a bit of, a bit of spiritual encouragement would go a long way from the, from the church, from the city's spiritual leader. And there's another great scene where Lithgow is talking about, he is, I think the, the city council scene had happened and Diane Weiss is like, is it that bad if they have one dance? Is it yeah. really that bad? Yeah. And Lithgow's like, I am the spiritual leader of this city. And she's like, enough with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I feel that too. Cause I, I take on too much responsibility for myself. And even if he were truly the spiritual leader, he's doing a shitty job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand wanting that burden and wanting to be responsible because, because the whole psychology of it is, is that he lost his son and he doesn't want that tragedy to happen to anybody else. And he can prevent his thought is he can prevent that tragedy. If they are just in a spiritually better place, it wouldn't ever happen again. And so it's all only on him because he let it slip through the cracks. Um, But let's talk about, let's talk about like the romance of this scene, because Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to get, a little bit into Diane Weiss and his relationship. Yeah. Where she kind of seems to have this melancholy about how their relationship lacks romance. Yeah. These days. And seemingly so it's because they'll, their lost son. Yeah. And it's this scene in bed where he feels unsupported and he just does that thing that we see in movies that happens in real life where a, a lover of yours turns away from you mm-hmm. when they feel rejected. Yeah. So they're rejecting you, rejecting them. They're right. like, no, I hate this. Yeah. And he's like, I thought you'd support me. And she's like, I've never stopped. Yeah. And it really shows like a really dedicated love that she has where she's like, even now I'm loving you. You're just not accepting it. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Really, really well done. Yeah. Um, and may I say, Maybe this is inappropriate, but in this movie, we'll get to who we'll fall in love with. But man, is it weird that Diane Weist, I think, is the most attractive woman in this cast? Mm. It's the pastor's wife that I'm like, yes. <laughs> Why is that weird? I guess it's not that weird, but like, you know, 10 years ago, be like, oh, Lori Singer, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. It's like, no, 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 Diane Weist. Well, uh, I, I feel you there. Um, you know, she's only 12 years older than Lori Singer in this movie. That makes sense. Yeah. So... 
basically they, they make it work. Like, uh, John Lithgow gives a really passionate speech about, you know, changing, changing your ways and not, not being an asshole. And he's just says they're having this dance and Kevin Bacon's face just lights up. Let's pray for them. It's like, ah, um, and then they have the dance and well, be- right before they have the oh, dance, oh, the boyfriend, Laurie Singer's ex-boyfriend shows up and he's like, let's fight. Yeah. And I thought it was going to end differently, but they just have a fight and Kevin Bacon and Chris Penn win the fight. I totally thought John Lithgow, because John Lithgow and, uh, and Diane Weist are watching from a distance mm-hmm. and they're like kind of getting slightly romantic yeah. in, in the field. I totally thought John Lithgow was going to hear what was going on. And he was going to go like, lay down the law to yeah. the ex-boyfriend. I That's thought, what I wanted. I really wanted a big John Lithgow fist to come in and just knock him out. And just that righteous, like, you shall not bring this sin right. against these but, good people. But like with what he said earlier in the movie where he's like, I've never hit anybody again. He wouldn't be able to and, you know, pull it off. Well, no, I would. I would love it if he like, if like this kid was about to hit his daughter mm-hmm. and he like maybe like jumped in front of her and took the hit oh, or something like that, where it, where he maybe nonviolently protected his daughter. It would have been good if he did a Gandalf and was like, Bilbo Baggins and tower over them and just be this powerful wizard. Speaking of that, I've been trying to do that to my daughter (laughs) where she's like in, she's trying to climb in the the dishwasher and I'm like trying to keep her out of it. And so I keep going, <laughs> She'll react to me like saying her name from across the apartment sometimes, but if I like yell that at her within two feet, she's like doesn't uh-uh. even register. No, not a thing. Um so yeah, they win the fight. They just win the fight and that's that. I'm like, okay, that's pretty simplistic. And I've that, never actually seen a movie just call it as it is. Yeah, but I mean I, they win with dance moves. <laughs> yeah. And so they go down and go, let's dance and we get the foot loose and we're out. Yeah. And you know that whole scene had to be reshot? They had to raise $250,000 to reshoot the prom. Cool. Because the entire first version of it this sucked. It was all shot in slow motion. That's a bad no, idea. And I'm terrible. I'm, I'm glad that audiences reacted the way that they did because like you need a fun da- dancing. And you need Kenny Loggins. Yeah. And it's weird though because like this movie the the outfits don't seem like anybody should do the robot in them. Right. But people are doing the robot. Yeah. But they all feel like they're, they might as well be from the fifties. Yeah. It's like got that back to the future vibes yeah, to it. Totally. Yeah. I like it. So that's a uh, footloose from Mr. Kenny Loggins. Before you rate this movie, I want you to just talk to me about how you felt about the romance between Ariel and Ren. Just like, you know, we have a, a couple that goes from not really loving each other necessarily or being at least standoffish to approaching each other slowly to gracefully getting in a relationship together. And then they they end at this dance, right? This this like, yes, we've accomplished this goal together and we've done it, but we don't see what happens to them afterwards. There's no afterward. It's just like, here we are. We finally did it. Do you think they're going to survive? Nah. <laughs> no, me neither. But I think that's okay. And I think the movie would say no. Yeah. But for this year, they're going to be a great couple. Yeah. 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 They, they very suddenly became like the senior year couple. Yeah. You know, that everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's them. Yeah. Um, no, I, don't, I do not care for their romance. And that's okay. It doesn't matter. You don't care for it? I just 
doesn't mo- move me in any way. I don't. I don't feel anything. Yeah, for they're it. they're just a couple balls of energy. Like yeah. I don't want to be Ariel's friend. No, I mean she. Like, I'll she, hang out she with Chris just, Penn and Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, I'll even hang out with Ren. I think. Yeah. Oh, like, totally. Ren's cool. Yeah, but Ariel, she's just she's one of those characters that. Like when they go dance across state lines, she throws her jacket to Rusty and she's like, hold my jacket. I'm going to go dance. And it's like, <laughs> man, you seem like a chore. Yeah. Um, n- n- no, but I would, I would, I, I do feel the romance between Diane Weist and John Lithgow. Mm, mm-hmm. And that is weird. <laughs> I didn't think that would be the thing that really moves me in this movie, but it well, does. I kind of think they pay the most attention to the intimacy of their relationship over others. I, mm-hmm. I do think I, I really like the the scene between Kevin Bacon and uh, and Ariel at the at the car when she gives him the yeah. music box. It's I a, really do think it's a very lovely scene. It's a great '80s movie moment, where right? Like the music comes in, the electric guitar comes in. You're like, yeah. But the John Lithgow and Diane Weist stuff feels more out of the '70s. It feels almost a little bit more timeless that you could do that scene in a lot of other yeah. eras, mm-hmm. um, their story in other eras. Yeah. So what's your out of five star rating? This is a good movie. Mm-hmm. I like this movie. I would watch it again. I'm kind of stuck between a 3.5 and a four, mm-hmm. like a 3.75, yep. maybe even a four. There's nothing wrong with this movie. It's a great movie. I think it's a great movie. It's, <laughs> But... I hate to do this, but just because of our podcast and what we've watched, I can't help but compare it to Dirty Dancing. Mm -hmm. It's doing something similar Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're dancing. The people up here don't want us to be dancing this kind of dancing. They don't get it. But we're going to dance. And there's just something that hits a little bit harder about Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing, at, at a certain point, is not about dancing at all. It's about dirt. No, <laughs> but it is about this relationship right. and this love affair. Right. And the dancing is just the vessel upon this love affair mm-hmm. or the, the medium. Lo- yeah. yeah. Footloose, it very much is about dancing. No, yeah. no, they really just want to dance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about the, it's about, it's like where, where dirty dancing is about these two characters falling in love. Mm-hmm. It has elements of that society versus society in it but that's not what the whole movie's about yeah the i feel like this movie is about it's more talking like broad strokes big picture like this is the young versus the old this is the conservatives versus like the progressives this is like you know people that are closed off being against people who are open and there's more of a battle here yeah and there's a battle won and that battle is a moral battle and people change. And I love that, but there's something about them not caring about winning the battle at the end of dirty dancing that really feels like the true win mm-hmm. where they win inside. Yeah. I, I give this movie a four out of five. I don't see myself revisiting this one a lot in years to come because as a dance movie, and I'm guessing Robin kind of agrees, it's not that impressive as a dance movie. No. Um, especially, you know, compared when you got Swayze 
dancing. It's like that's that's something to return to, but that's not really why you're returning well, to dancing. Because he's a trained dancer. I don't and think so it looks great on screen. These people dance, but I don't think they're trained dancers. No, they like took dance classes. They dance as if they grew up in a small town in Utah or wherever. Which is great because it and works. That's for how this it's movie. supposed to look. Yeah. So. Um, but otherwise, it's a great movie, and it's a great 80s movie. So if I was programming like a film festival, this would be the 4 o'clock film on Sunday where it's like, all right, got to get some something solid in there, something really enjoyable, and everyone's going to have a good time. But the prestige movie that we're capping the whole festival off with, that's Dirty Dancing. That's the like the big one. Correct. Yes. I'm, I'm here. I'm going to go with a 4-2, and we can just high-five. All right. We are going to jump into Trope Talk. Trope Talk. And we're back with Trope Talk. It's like rock talk. Because you know what? Kenny Loggins is here. Nice. And we are talking about Top Gun earlier, too. Yeah. He's all over the place. I love Kenny Loggins. Did you know that Return to Pooh Corner, part of it was sampled by Daft Punk? Oh. There's a really cool Instagram. I'm going to find it and show it to you. Where they basically just take songs that have samples in them, find that smidge of a sample from the actual song and show you how many samples there are. I love that. If we find it, we're going to play it for you right now. I'm either saying cool or going, oh, well, next time. (laughs) Okay. So um, what's today's trope, Ryan? Today's trope is brought to you by TVTropes.org, which has nothing to do with any kind of sponsorship, but that's where we found this one. (laughs) Yeah, we don't usually look for it, as you can usually tell, but we need help with this one. Yeah. (laughs) We're tired. Uh, This one brought up a really interesting one that feels really common that you thought we would have gotten gotten on our own, but we didn't. It's the beta couple. Yeah, the couple that is not the hero couple of the movie. Yeah. And this movie has two beta couples. The, oh, yeah, that's true. You've got Chris Penn and Sarah Jessica Parker and John Lithgow and Diane Weiss. Technically three, because Woody hangs out with the same girl all the time, the brunette in the friend oh, group. Oh, yeah, she's <laughs> cute. I like her. Yeah, but so there's a bunch of beta couples, mm-hmm. and you know what this really does for our genre? Mm. It makes the world feel more realistic. And big. And big, yeah. It's expansive. It's, it's like, ah, okay, we're focusing on the love story here. But also, there's a lot going on back here. Well, and there's something about the differential of sometimes your romantic movies have more love in the beta couple, and you feel the beta couple more than you feel the primary couple. Yeah, they also generally feel a little bit more realistic. Like, if you take Notting Hill, our beta couple, our, our, our main beta couple is his are his friends. Yeah, they're Polly, so they're all... It's a big couple. No, no, no. <laughs> his 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 married couple friends. Yeah, the yeah. one his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, and, one of his ex-girlfriend, one's his friend, friend. And he has confidence in these friends, and we see that they have this relationship, and she's disabled, and we see every night he carries her upstairs to bed. And it's so sweet. Hugh Grant sees this, and he's like, I want to have my own disabled girl to bring upstairs every night. <laughs> and, like, I mean, l- later on we get Spike and... His sister. His sister. And that's like n- new, wild, and crazy budding love. And it also shows that like love is different. Like mm-hmm. everybody has a different kind of love going on here. Yeah. And when Harry met Sally, we kind of have a parallel couple this yeah. whole time with, with um, Jess and Carrie Princess Fisher. Leia, yeah. Uh, I like them a lot. And I like 
their romance because we see it go from like this conversation and a connection to um, them in bed together. And there's like this one line where they're dealing with Harry and Sally and all their two different lines. And they both look at each other like, I'm so glad I'm not dating. Yeah. I'm so glad I have you. And it's funny because like Harry and Sally in that movie both don't want to be having the fights that they're having. Like, cause they're watching Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher argue and Harry's having a freak out about it. He's like, this is dumb. I hate this. Like, of course you're going to do this. And then later you're going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. He's just taking out his frustration on them. And, you know, Sally chastises him, but really he does want that. He just wants it with someone he wants it with. Yeah. And he doesn't yeah. have that. And it makes him sad. You know, what's interesting is that I've, <laughs> it sounds so sad, but in my own life, I always have related to the side character. I've never had like main character energy. I've always had like side character energy mm-hmm. and i i've always seen myself in side character beta couple honestly stuff. it's generally the more healthy couple to be in it's the more like laid back and less adventurous couple and mm-hmm. that suits me great <laughs> like i love that i love being the beta couple and for a time it felt like me and sarah were like the chill ones compared to your sexy adventures especially when you and robin were just getting started uh-huh. it was like Ooh, that's this exciting relationship. And Sarah and I are going to just stay home again this weekend. (laughs) And now we both have kids. (laughs) Yeah. And so now we're both the beta couple. We need to bring on a stronger youthful couple to to, (laughs) to be our alpha. Oh, to to lead us. (laughs) To lead us into battle. To lead the pack. No, I think think one of the great things about being a couple is you kind of go in and out of being the alpha couple Mm kind of just depending on what you got going on yeah if you're getting married you're the alpha couple that day yeah i mean hopefully that i mean hopefully so hopefully Uh, nobody's stealing your thunder another one i think about is greece there's a lot of lot of beta couple everybody's a couple in that movie, you know but like it's about danny and sandy danny and sandy but like rizzo and um kanicki kanicki like that's a great beta couple i i really love their story and their drama and their romance wonderful beta couple uh, any other beta couples, beta couples, beta couples? Well, there? you know, I feel like a movie that did this is The Best Man. Um, you yeah. had like the main story with Tay Diggs and he's like, you know, me and Mia Long, Nia Long are going to like maybe get together. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? But there were like five other couples in that movie yeah. who were dealing with their own stuff. And that's kind of, I almost don't want to count that because it feels more like an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Tay Diggs is, is enough of the main, main character that maybe they're all kind of like beta A couples. Yeah. Where they're really close to being well, alphas. 10 Things I Hate About You, you've got two alpha couples. You've got Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles, and then Julia Stiles' sister and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh-huh. I would call those both the alphas. But then with the uh, Shakespeare girl. Oh, yeah. And what's his name? Hot Elf. Yeah, Bernard the Bernard Hot Elf. <laughs> they have a little bit of a fling, and it's super cute. Hey, can I can I take a segue into the Santa Claus really quick? Yeah, the Santa Claus cinematic universe. Okay, so if anybody, everybody knows the Santa Claus out there. Mm-hmm. Can I ask why nobody seemed bummed that there was a new Santa and that the old Santa was dead? He was probably a dick. 
He seems bad <laughs> for many reasons. Because the rest of those movies, they're like, no, Tim Allen, stay Santa Claus. We need you. And he's not a good Santa Claus. No. For one. And so the other guy must have been really bad. Yeah. But two, I, I thought about this the other day when like I was thinking about Christmas movies and I just got like <laughs> down this rabbit hole of this movie. I was thinking about the fact that all of these other characters have never gotten like their their Christmas presents from Santa Claus. Uh, like he, like uh, Judge Reinhold never got the weenie whistle. Right. And, right. you know, the mom never got... Wendy Crewson. Yeah. I mean, she never got her game, right? Yeah. So that Santa sucked. Yeah, that's true. He's terrible Santa. So it's, I'm glad he's dead. Anyways, that is our trope, beta couples. Um, thanks for playing. The Santa Claus is a great example of that. Um, while we're on the subject... There's let's, only one couple in that movie. Yeah, okay. Let's just talk about our Patreon. Oh, yes. We have a poll. It determines what we watch at the end of the month. Our patrons choose it. What do we have this month? Our spooky October poll. Ghost. Warm Bodies. The oh, ghost, scary. The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Uh. And Twilight 2... Random sequel name I forgot. Is it New Moon? That would be good. It is New Moon. I checked this out. Okay, cool. <laughs> and so far, we've got a tie. Ghost and Warm Bodies. Fine by me. I need some more Patrick Swayze in my life. <laughs> so that's possibly going to be what we watch, Ghost and Warm Bodies. But if you want to jump over to Patreon and influence that, not everybody's voted yet. So, you know, it could still change. Mm-hmm. But come on over. That's patreon.com slash romcom gents. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my week to do an essay and I don't know what I did it on yet what should I do it on Ryan what should I do um oh do an essay on the um the opportunities that fantasy can bring to romance stories what what how does fantasy bring a new bring new life to romance I'll try. Like <laughs> Ghost or Twilight 2 sure. or... Um, Twilight 1. Like... Uh, Twilight 3. Spirited Away. Um, I guess it's not really... Twilight that's, 4. But... Um, Twilight yeah. 6. So what are you writing on? <laughs> oh. I thought, we had, I thought that was just going to go in there. I guess that could be it. <laughs> that should that's be it. That's it. Um, that's it, everybody. So that's what we're doing. And here. we have Thor Love and Thunder this month for our Patreon bonus episode, mm-hmm. which we put out once a month, mm-hmm. usually. Check it. We have Gilmore Girls Season 5 on deck. Um, and that's the Patreon, everybody. That's the Patreon. Go help out. Um, help us feed our kids. Um, n- while You can do it. Bring it home. Well, Here he comes, folks. Stepping up to the plate. I'm getting my, uh, He's doing getting some my converse on. I'm going to bring it in. I'm going to cut it. I want you to know I'm going to be giving out some Golden Sword Award. Oh, because you're cutting it with the Golden Sword foot loose. Yeah, just play the thing. She- A blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. Oh, you want me to tell you who I'd give the Golden Sword to or what I would? Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities here. You know, Rusty does this thing when she, they're at the, you know, the place across the border and they're, they're dancing, but Rusty's not dancing. 
And she really wants Chris Penn to dance with her. But since he's not, she takes that moment to like be like, I'm going to go dance. And she jumps off. But she doesn't do it maliciously. She's just so excited to dance that she kisses him on the cheek and then jumps down there. Yeah. And I think that's such a solid move. Oh, yeah. You know, where it's like, hey, I love you, but I'm going to go do this thing. Yeah. And deal with it. I, But but it's not even a deal with no, that situation. It's a she's nice just, way. She's just like a little boppy little cool dance cat. So what, what are you awarding? To that whole moment and choice to to make it not a moment to inspire jealousy like it it eventually does with him mm-hmm. but that's not her intent and so i love that moment yeah 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 so that moment gets the golden sword for me okay um i'm just going to shine a light on all the gymnastics in this movie didn't see that coming good job like the gymnastics yeah and some of it kevin bacon does himself yeah which is pretty impressive um the movie's called Footloose. I didn't think it was that literal of, you know, being loose in the air and you're like spinning around. Yeah, they say that you want loose feet when you land. Okay. Oh, it's a it's a gymnastic term. A gym- I mean, the whole movie's really, we didn't talk about it much, but the whole movie is very gymnastic central. Yeah. By the way, if you want to see the ultimate Footloose parody, the movie's called Hot Rod. It doesn't have a plot at all similar to Footloose, but there are many moments in that movie that take aim just at these moments of gymnastics. And really? It's, um, oh, it's amazing. Really? Have you, have you seen Hot Rod? No, it's one of the, it's, it's that, I think it's that movie for me where everybody says, you haven't seen Hot Rod? It's a weird thing where it's like, it's really not that great of a movie, but sometimes everybody it just loves hits it. right. Everybody seems to love that movie. I'm not going to play it up. Just go check out Hot Rod. It's a good time. Okay. What, can you give me an ideal scenario in which to watch Hot Rod? Um, it's Saturday morning. You got And you know that the next day you're going to be watching the rom-com <laughs> Oscars. You got it's me. always on a Sunday. You got me. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. I will not tell you when to watch this movie. You can watch it whenever you want. Saturday morning, though? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday morning, you got a warm, hot cup of coffee. You've got some hash browns, some scrambled eggs, some cheese on there, and you're just looking for a good hang. Okay. I got nothing to do. Yeah. You got nothing to do that morning. You're just hanging out. Rob and Ellen have some kind of thing that they're doing. You're like, I'm just going to hang out, watch a movie, whatever. Ryan, what I would give. Doesn't that sound nice? Two hours not doing anything. You only need 90 minutes. That's all you need. That's all you need. I need 15 minutes before and after. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will award because it's not best dancing. It's going to be best. It's best original song to Mr. Kenny Loggins. I've said it already. That's great. No, we haven't really done that award yet. No. Yeah. No. Footloose is a great song. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I would even expand this to the whole, not you, the score. You want to say best original songs? Well, they're not all original, but all the songs that appear on this soundtrack, I would absolutely buy the soundtrack. If I was at Everyday Music and this was there for a dollar, I would totally pick it up. Because it's got one of those really iconic like posters to that soundtrack, it? too. I got the Flashdance soundtrack around here. I bought that for a dollar because I'm like, I need that Flashdance song. I was video games. Uh, the, down here, it's the under, CDs. Okay. Um, but there's one song I needed, like the What a Feeling song. Mm-hmm. This has like 10 times the amount of good songs that Flashdance has. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing soundtrack. Oh, yeah. It's a good soundtrack. So best soundtrack or best original song? Song. you know what best soundtrack great love it yeah i don't know <laughs> there's a one, one point in time where he's picking up um ren is picking up ariel for the prom mm-hmm. 
and he's fixing his hair in the rearview mirror. And then when he looks up, his hair looks exactly like it does the entire rest of the movie because it's Kevin Bacon's hair and it kind of just does what it wants. It says this David Bowie flop. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give this most real yeah. piece. The look of all of the characters feels like every one of those characters felt like they belonged in their roles perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the 80s for all of its pomp and circumstance and like Terminators and like glitzy glam movies. Yeah. They had an equal amount of movies that just had a bunch of people that looked real. Like John Lithgow looks like a small town preacher. Diane Mm -hmm. Weist is made up. I mean, she basically made a career out of this role. Yeah. Where like she was in, um, the birdcage. Yeah. Almost well, same same kind of role, but it's interesting because she's in other Woody Allen movies where she plays and totally against type. Yeah, but she's very good at this. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well done, Footloose. Um, well, speaking of fighting, did I did I give my Oscar? Yeah, I did. Most real people. Yeah, uh, tell me, who'd you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I. Loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. Speaking of fine. <laughs> I'll go first because I already betrayed my answer. So. Oh. Uh, Diane Weist. Diane Weist. She's the most beautiful woman in this movie, and she's a good woman. <laughs> oh, okay. She's a good woman. Because she holds, she holds John Lithgow accountable, and maybe it's a little, a little late for that accountability, but she comes in there and expects more. She doesn't expect him to be perfect, but she expects more from him, which is a good thing for your spouse to do where they're always pushing you, but are always graceful to you because she's graceful to him as well. Yeah. But he needs to be told and she tells him. Yeah. Yeah. I need a good woman like that. (laughs) Yeah. I'll talk to Sarah about that. She, she is that good woman. You said you needed a good woman. Well, maybe I could get a little bit gooder. No, (laughs) hell no. Sarah's the best. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to go with Dusty, a.k.a. Sarah Jessica Parker. Dusty or Rusty? Rusty. Rusty, not Dusty. Dusty, Rusty. Got it. She is... She's super fun. I could totally see you guys hanging out. Yeah, she's fun. She's nice. She's short. She's cute. She yeah. she can dance, but she's also not half so crazy as her friends. I don't know. She just seems sweet and cool. I'm into it. I mean, not into it that I'm much. I'm not into... But I'm, Ryan, I'm just not into mature women, <laughs> but uh, I'm Actually, down. My, my wife's older than me, so you, 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 you know what you're doing. So, do we have any letters this week? No. I mean, we can just here. Can you play the the thing really quick from from Rachel? Yeah, just you just, said you didn't want to get into just, it. No, no, I won't okay, get into well, it. We're gonna get into it. No, no. Rachel wrote to us about Practical Magic, and we had a text message thread. The end. <laughs> you can't do that to yeah. them. Yeah, I can, Rachel. You're fine with this, right? Yeah, yes, we're... Carly, that's totally cool. Thanks. I'm your voice got really high pitched recently. It's all up to the audience to decide what we actually talked about. 
They were totally right. Thanks for coming on to the show, Rachel. Always good to have you on. Um, Next week. No, but she made a lot of good points. Yes. But we're still right. Next week, we are doing Bros. Bros. Billy Eichner's Bros. Which, uh, Kelly, did you know that the movie Bros bombed over the weekend? No, but I did. (laughs) I'm Rachel from the future. I knew this the whole time. Go home, Rachel. Okay. Uh, the movie bombed, and people are really upset, but I have a post-mortem. Wait, people are upset with the movie? They're upset that the movie didn't do nearly as well as it well, should Well, they should have gone and seen it. Precisely that. I have a question to, to you. If you're upset that the movie bombed, yeah. ask yourself, did I go see Bros this weekend? And if you didn't, you're the reason why it <laughs> bombed. Like, Ryan and I didn't, but that's because we're... We're dads, of, and we're weekend two people now. Well, yeah, we're weekend two people, but we specifically are for this podcast, so we had to wait. Yeah, but I think what we're probably going to come to the conclusion for next week is I don't think it succeeded probably because there's no movie stars in it. Yeah, I think in addition to that, though, this is I think this movie is going to be a slow burn film mm-hmm. where... It's going to it's going to have that thing where it didn't have a huge opening weekend, but it's going to have like a steady growth builds and then it's it's just going to kind of level off. Yeah. But each one of those weeks is going to be like a slightly strong week. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. I hope so. So that's next yeah. week. Bros, go see it. Please go see it. Bros. Bro. Um, Kelly, I love you so much that I would learn how to dance just for your initiative to get the whole town to dance. I would learn to do it. I would oh. figure it out. Wow, that's dedication, Ryan. Um, Let's see. I love you so much that I'm just, I still feel bad about not putting Rachel's movie on here. So I'm going to say, I love you so much that I would also have a a circle of witches Mm. take care of your ex boyfriend. Oh, Oh. yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu Thank you for listening to our review Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide To rom-coms <laughs>